0: You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 254 of the Make It British podcast. So, if you love factories, today I've got a little treat for you because we're going on a tour of Contrado, who are a print on demand company. So, Contrado are a truly impressive UK manufacturer. They not only print fabric, leather, and all different other services like glass and pottery in their huge facility in West London but they also stitch bags and clothing and accessories from the fabrics that they print and they even make furniture as well. Now their secret, as you will learn from my interview here with Chris Childs, who co-founded the business 20 years ago with his wife, Fran, is it's all down to technology. Contrado used tech to make UK manufacturing scalable and fast. From a customer uploading an image or a design to the Contrado website, They have the product printed, made, and shipped within 48 hours. This is the future of UK manufacturing. Of course, they still need skilled staff to make the products, but the technology that Contrado has helps them to track the whole process and make it much more efficient. This episode today is in two parts. The first is a tour around the Contrado factory, as I see the fabric being printed and the products being made. And the second half is an interview with the co-founder, Chris Childs, about the story behind the business and how and where he sees the future of UK manufacturing going. So let's start with Chris Childs taking us on a tour round the Contrado factory.
1: This room is our printer. I always refer to this as the heartbeat of the company because this is, everything has to come through these machines. So we built this room in, in here for over about nine years in this space. We've changed all of these printers about three times in here. And every time we change the printers, we're going to get kind of double or triple the capacity and the speed and the quality. So every few years they change, but we're still in the same room with the same footprint, but we've got hugely more capacity. It's absolutely fascinating what's happening on the digital printers. This is where our fabrics come through, silks, cottons, organics, polyesters, hybrids of all of those recycled. We only print on white because we need to have a white substrate in order to get the print color to work. We've got pigment, reactive and dye sublimation prints, the widest range of ink sets around. People who come to us for all of their, their designs, their art, their illustration, their fashion projects, their student projects.
0: How many machines have you got in total?
1: We have about 25 actual printers. and You'll see some others on the way around. Uh, computers in this building, about 220. So it's like two computers per head of staff doing all of this kind of processing and background work that we have. We built all of our own um, print processing systems. So as you can appreciate when you have lots of people ordering online, it could be a cushion, it could be a bucket hat, baseball cap, umbrella, um, apron, swimwear, all of those files have to come through in huge volumes. It's all printed one at a time and our automatic systems tell that print, where to go, which printer to come through. It all gets aggregated and out through to our um, different benches where the people work on all of the actual production side of it. So we move a little bit deeper into another print area. So in here we're printing leather and we are printing um, vinyl. So we can see, looks like some maps, some logos, some artwork. Looks like a painting of some sort. So all sorts of work comes through here. And that's being printed onto a vinyl. And we also print all of our leather in here as well. So the leather, obviously all white as well, gets put onto these uh, benches for their for their printing. This machine is a wallpaper printer. Beautiful wallpaper coming out through this through these machines. Well, it's really no minimum. I mean, we start off with samples, 60 by 30 centimetres. So that's the smallest piece we print, but it can go up to walls of 20 metres square. Most people have got a you know three metre yeah. ceiling height. So in the wall, about four metres. So that's a typical order. But with many companies, you can go up to hundreds of metres square. So you can
0: totally custom print the wallpaper for your own house.
1: Totally custom print it, yeah. yeah. We call this area flatbed area. So these machines with these kind of uh, tops like this are all doing particular job. It's all heat, and they're processing uh, the prints which come through the print room, and we're converting them to ties, to socks, to placemats, uh, tins. We're printing on metal. We but do yes, bucket no hats. Yeah, so bucket out these are beautiful. Much would a
0: customer retail that for with their own design on?
1: Well, we sell that for 39. So um, if someone wants to sell their bucket hat for 75, they can, but the, the minimum it will be is 39. I mean, it takes us good, you know, a good amount of time to print, yeah. make it reversible. And it's, you know, it's, it's cute. It's all about what yeah. you put on it. Bomber jackets, custom made. Look at this. So we're printing. The textile It's matching. All of the pockets will match. Put your own brand and logo in here. So this is all in our system. So if you wanted to sell custom-made bomber jackets like tomorrow, under your brand, you can set your design up like this, put your brand label in there. No investment and you're on sale. And that's what people are doing. Rugs, bucket hats, beautiful bags, all assembled here. Clocks.
0: Caps as well? Do you stitch the caps here?
1: Completely stitch it from flat materials, yeah. You have to cut it all out into those panels. Stitch it, steam it, print it, back it, label it got custom labeling as well custom labeling on here
0: i never knew you did that
1: it's nuts isn't it
0: how much would um a brand be able to sell that cap for if they did it with you well
1: you tell me i mean we 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 sell them for for 39 to 45 depending on what features they've got on it but then you know some people i mean in in gucci you can pay 175 or something like that so how good is the designer what do they want to charge so this is actually a, a particularly pretty cap now is someone going to sell that for £75 or the same as we retail out? Actually, we're not that bothered. If they think that they've, their art is worth that and they've yeah. got a following and they're prepared to charge that and they can sell it, good luck to them.
0: Yeah, so then the customer yeah. is just doing the marketing.
1: Correct, in that, in that example, mm. yeah. What's this? It's like another shirt. Look at that. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? No one's doing shirts. You know. No. So it's just amazing. Custom made one, one at a time to order all of those sizes. We do yeah. big, big sizes up to 7XL and 2XS. So we capture a big size ranges because there's people at both of those ends yeah. of the scale don't get any product made. They have no. to go to specialist places. But, you know, the specialist places is quite limited creativity in terms of design. So we're filling in those, those gaps.
0: Plus also people haven't got to invest in stock in tons of different sizes. Because just no get stock. one ordered. Yeah. No, no stock.
1: No stock. We stock. We stock all the raw materials, but we've, we've broken the back of that now, so we're happy to stock it and then we wait for the orders. Uh, and just shipping. So shipping out to um, Japan, America, New Zealand, Australia, worldwide.
0: How worldwide. many units do you ship a day or is that confidential information? Um, it's not
1: massively confidential. I mean, you, uh, on, a, on a quiet day, I mean, it's, just, it's quite soft today. It's looking like about 2,000 uh, on really, really big days up to like 25, 30,000 units a day. Wow. So it's a lot of stuff going going through.
0: I bet you're really busy at Christmas.
1: Yeah, it's very much a seasonal type business. Yeah. But we started off with our brand called Bags of Love, which is a photo gift website. Yeah. And that is gift. I mean, it's all it does is Mother's Day, Valentine's and, yeah. you know, all of the, the big gifting events. Christmas is the biggest by far. Um, but now we've got Contrado involved into it. So we have these different peaks and different cycles through the year. So we've got a pretty steady annual sort of pattern, which is really, really good that we've done that because Christmas was always a huge challenge for us. Staffing up for six weeks and 30% of our business would come in that period. It would just be insane. So in this hangar, we are doing um, fabric uh, onto canvas prints. So this is all textile fabric, which we stretch onto the wooden frames. This all becomes pictures for the walls. We also do some um, various bits of furniture. We buy the legs, yeah. but the rest of it we make. So this is all oh, wow. wood, so we, we, we cut the wood. We've got upholstery people here. They will know how to build the, the pack of the foam in here because it's yeah. not just a piece of sponge. It's a no. it's, it's actually, actually built in, internally. And then you've got a beautiful custom-made Amazing. Footstool.
0: I hope you enjoyed that bit. Wasn't it amazing so after my tour around the factory, I got to sit down with Chris for a cup of tea and a good old chin wag about the story behind the business and where he sees the future of UK manufacturing going. So tell me your story. How did this all come about, Chris? Where did you start?
1: OK, it's um, pretty basic, humble beginnings. Um, so back in uh, about 2001 at a loose end, thinking about right where's what can we do for work I was with my wife and we were thinking about okay what can what product can we come up with what can we get into for our future Um, and I was running a um, a photo printing company at that time, very, very small, and we tried to do something online with digital photos. And the idea was that if we could get people to upload 36 photos into our website, we'd be able to print 36 photos and send them out to them in the post, a little bit like the old school film camera. So that that was the beginnings of this sort of business idea, if you like. Um, And we managed to get like five orders a week. When you sell, you know, five pounds a pack, it was like, wow, we're not going to make a living doing this. It's just impossible to make it work. Um, But, you know, that was the beginnings. And we had the website that that did that. Um, And my wife, Fran, uh, she had a neighbor, our neighbor at the time, but she she bought a um, handbag which had pictures of her kids on it from a famous English fashion designer called Anja Hindmarch, Marsh. And that bag um, gave us this whole new idea about, OK, well, if we're printing people's photos at the moment, why don't we print a, a handbag that we can sell? So instead of getting £5 for a pack of 36 photos, we could get £100, £200 for a handbag if it was made to a sufficient quality uh, and, and be able to sell that to people. So that was a sort of a, a eureka moment, really, about getting from what we wanted to do, which was print people's photos into a a product where we could actually make a living with. So we thought, okay, let's give it a go. I built a a very small website with a a, a PDF order form on it. People were finding us because I did all of our SEO ourselves in those days. uh, And people would print off the form, stick a photo in the envelope with the form and post it to our home address. And hey, presto, we managed to pick up a few orders like that. And when we got to um, 20 orders a week, which was only a couple of months later, it it became apparent to us, well, this is actually a business, you know, so that's £2,000 a week we were receiving to make people's handbags. And it was uh, quite an extraordinary kind of moment when we thought, well, wow, we can actually turn this into a business and let's really, really go at this. Um, so to make the bags was another challenge. We had to have outside source people who would be able to do the fabric printing. I would get the fabrics printed in one place, go and get them from that factory take them to a bag maker right this is what we're going to try and do we want to do a handbag with you make these pa- in, these fabric panels into into a handbag and like you know everyone's laughing at us of course thinking this is never going to work um but we managed to produce a handbag pretty pretty quickly in, in a few months and yeah that was the very first product so it's, it's our sku number one um we probably walked past a bunch of them in the factory earlier um but it, we still sell that, that, that very same product now so and then because we had those orders coming in it was a simple extension Let's make a makeup bag to go with it. Let's make a wash bag to go with it. Let's make a shopper bag. Let's make a this, that and the other. And then it, it turned into, well, if we can make a bag, we can make a cushion. If we can make a cushion, we can make an apron. And then we were on the way. Um so after about um, one year of doing this at home, which was getting all of these materials backwards and forwards from these other companies, and it was, and it became a bit of a challenge. Um, and you know, one funny anecdote is when the, the binmen stopped collecting from us, <laughs> because they, they said you're running a carpet business from your house. I said, no, no, we're not running a carpet business, this is rolls of fabric. So we'd get the cores <laughs> and they'd all be in our bins and they stopped taking our rubbish. Because the bins were full of these cores that the fabrics were all rolled on, um, and then we realised well that we can't carry on doing this from home anymore. We have to go and get an office. So we got an office the size of this room we're in now. It's just a meeting room type size, um, and and slowly we added our first member of staff who was a web designer, and then it was like okay if we can manage to make our own handbags and our own cushions in this same room with our web designer, me, um, and the, and, a, and a sewing machinist, we can. Managed to cut out all of that travelling I was doing up and down the country, picking up prints and yeah. leather and all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, and we brought that concept of make it all inside this room ourselves, make it make it ourselves. And that was the um, very, very essence of what the business became. Do everything ourselves.
0: So you were really ahead of your time then, weren't you? So what at what point did you have a printer, someone that was doing the sewing and all the kind of tech... All in house together.
1: Well, in two thousand and three, we had that first um, office which had me, uh, a web designer, and a sewing machinist in it. So that was the first moment that we had the the kind of the full core skill sets required to do that. Um, But the tech and the numbers of sewing machines and the numbers of different um, web designers you need it all expands the more ambitious you want to be, Um, and it's just been never ending since since then. But that was you know two thousand and three.
0: Are you ready to finally master your manufacturing and create profitable UK made products? If so, I've got an exclusive training just for you. This training is for businesses that make in the UK or want to, and who are interested in working with me in our British brand accelerator for creative small business owners who want to develop and sell profitable UK made products. If your application is accepted, You'll receive a copy of my exclusive free private training on how to develop profitable UK-made products with ease. In the training, I go through my exact three-part framework that we use to help our clients successfully launch and grow their UK-made brands. And I'll show you exactly how it works along with all kinds of examples. I'll also explain everything you need to know about the accelerator to ensure that we can truly help you to get the results that you're looking for. To apply for an invite to the British brand accelerator and get a copy of the training, go to katehills.co.uk forward slash apply. So you said when we were downstairs, you said we're not, we're a tech company first and a manufacturer second. Mm -hmm. Do you want to explain that a bit more? Because I think that's a really interesting point.
1: Well, from the very beginning, we needed the digital photo from the customer because that's the, that was the element that makes it a business. So I, w- I was doing those digital photos. We had digital in mind. I was in, into, into the web scene at that time. It was all still pretty new and exciting for everybody. Um, and as soon as we could get people's digital photos, everything else becomes digital. So it's all about how do you handle that photo? How does it, how does it get printed? The printers are all digital. It all connects to the internet. Um, so that was the, the, the basic for it. The, the, that's what made us think digital and be able to scale a platform to include other products, different shapes and sizes, eventually different websites in different languages, finding the customers internationally building different brands
0: and you've taken that through as well right through to the sewing and production side which I don't think I've really seen to that level in a UK factory before that that's incredible
1: well one of the things about running any factory is you've got to know what's going on in your factory so if you've got a company and they're making you know 10,000 um, bomber jackets in that factory they pretty much know what they're doing so they're very focused on making that one product and they, they're going to be comfortable and that they know what's coming out of the boxes at the other end of the production line in terms of numbers of units in our case we're making ten thousand things at the same time but they're all different products could be one bomber jacket could be a mug could be a baseball cap could be an umbrella espresso cup you name it so they're all coming through our factory all at the same time we just don't know Without a, a, a huge level of, of uh, IT investment, where something is at any moment in time, and that's why we have to be very, very tech-driven in our workflow. And again, it's all connected to our uh, um, customers' digital order online. You know, they know where their product is in our workspace. They know whether it's in print, it's it's in production, if it's in sewing, if it's in QC, if it's in packing, or if it had to go in for a redo. They get all of this information in their um, in their login section so that people know where it is and that keeps them happy it keeps them off our telephone and off our off our email so that we can just concentrate on making the product
0: are there any products that you still think you could add because how many different product lines do you have
1: well it's it's about 500 individual products um and it's it's never-ending so we at the moment we're, we're looking to add a hooded blanket we're looking to add a raincoat we are, we've got so many other new products in, in mind it's, it's, it's impossible to not come up with new products. Now we've started it's just never ending so, and, and you know you name it. whatever you look at can be converted into a new product. so we, we it's it, the sky's the limit there and we want to do more.
0: Why do you think there aren't more manufacturers like you in the UK? Because at the moment, I don't think print on demand has been adopted quite as much as it could be. It does seem to me it's an obvious way for UK manufacturing to go.
1: As a factory, I mean, most people don't understand how factories operate. And also the the types of skill set and the workers that you need to work in a factory like this. So you need sewing machinists, you need print finishers, you need people who can um, operate different types of cutting machinery. These are all skill sets, whether it's routing or or leather making. You know, these are all very, very core skill sets to actually making something at a factory level. Those skills were abundant in, you know, many decades ago in the UK. Every town would have... Uh, a shoemaker or a shirt maker um, but these days that's all gone um, and I'm familiar with what my grandparents did they were involved in making things and I think ah, that's possibly in the why I got a little bit of this um, and that so it, but it, it's not easy because to find the skill sets today is really really hard there's very few British people have got those skill sets. We kind of let all of our industry go in the in in the middle of the last century, 50s, 60s, 70s. Most of it disappeared, in some cases for good reason. But of course, once those skills are gone, they've gone. Mm. Um, so we're in a position now where we can benefit from, from the micro production that um, the modern era, a technical era can deliver. But if you want to make product at factory level, you still need those skills. So we have to now find the appropriate people from anywhere we can and then cross train other people and train new people into those skills um and it's just one of those things in in the UK people aren't excited about being a sewing machinist or a printmaker or a router these types of um jobs probably don't attract um people with with a with a serious career in mind you know the way our population is is built now it's about media it's about creativity which is good for us on the one hand but at the factory level it's it does present various challenges
0: so how do you get them interested then because you've got a really happy looking workforce down there and you obviously you know some people i've spoken to have been here for quite a long time so how do you attract them into your business
1: that's a good question. I mean really we once we find someone who's got the skills, it could be a particular sewing machinist who can handle uh, sewing a hem on a silk scarf, which is really difficult. It's actually a really, really important skill. But if we find that person, then they're on board, you know, and we we want to keep them and we want to give them more orders and we want them to teach somebody else and we want to scale. Them. So with the way we find them is very much um, through very simple means, advertising, networks. Um, so that's the only way we can find them. And really, they're quite hard to find. You know, leather workers, particular craft skills, sewing people, they are hard to find. So we, you know, if we find one, we want to bring them in. We want to keep them and we want their long term relationship to be yeah. part of our story.
0: So you're timing everything that's going through the production unit. Do they get paid performance-related or by the hour?
1: They get paid by the hour, so it's not okay. piecework. Um, a lot of factories um, will operate piecework. Um, that's not been the way we want to go, um, because we that that puts a hell of a lot of pressure on, on, a, on a production team on, on piecework. And because we have, everything's one at a time. So one second you could be doing espadrilles. The next minute it could be a bucket hat and the next minute it could be an umbrella. And that's just on this workstation. On another workstation could be cushion, an apron, uh, a man's shirt. Or a new type of jacket that we're we're developing. So the piecework doesn't really work. But of course, as a business, we do need to be very aware that we have efficiency. That we that our staff are as uh, reasonably productive as one would expect. You know, without putting too much pressure on them. You know, it's it's. It, you know, you hear all the stories about the awful things happening in other countries, sweatshops, and difficult labor uh, working environments. I mean, that won't happen here because it's the UK and there's a lot of rules about this. So we're very careful that the staff are, you know, getting a good, fair deal and are able to produce the results that we want. In, in good circumstances
0: because your normal kind of mass production factory oh. the method would be like you say 10,000 of one thing makes it more efficient but you're working in totally the opposite way aren't you but I suppose yeah. because you've got everything computerized and it because it is tech first you can work out to the penny probably exactly yeah. how much it costs you to make everything yeah. so it's fair.
1: That's, that's exactly what we're striving to do. We're not quite there yet on everything, but this is the, the critical information. How long does it take to make something? Where is it in the factory? Where can you find the efficiencies in order to improve your production flow? I mean, we're, we're customer focused. So at the end of the day, we want our customers order that scarf to be super happy tomorrow. So if they ordered yesterday, we make today, they get it tomorrow. And if we've done that well, then that's a happy customer. They're going to tell somebody else. Now, you can only run at that kind of pace if you've got really good systems and really good organization internally. Mm -hmm. So back to our handbag idea at the very beginning, we used to make a handbag with a one-month turnaround. You know, that was the, if you happen to remember what mail order used to be like, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, you'd order something and a month's time was the kind of normal pace you'd get your product in the post. Um, But then when you're running a business like this, you soon realise that, well, if I can get it faster to the customer, they're happier sooner, they're going to tell more people. And the wow factor is there. So we're pretty much doing it on a one to two day turnaround now, everything.
0: Amazing, that's why I'm so amazed. Especially as like that cushion design that you've just done for me. We only got the design to you at five o'clock last night and I arrived here at half past two and you've got a fully printed, piped, zip in it, finished cushion.
1: Yeah, they look great. But that's how we go. And that's what we want to do. We want that, you know, we, we want that feeling you've just had to be with every person every day, because that means that, wow, I can tell somebody else about this product and service I got. It means more sales. It means more, more work for everybody, more money moving around for everybody, more satisfaction. Uh, and if you're running a business, you, you, there's no better feeling than to know you've got a happy
0: customer. So with customers in mind then, especially as I would imagine the majority of your customers don't know how to prepare artworks for print. How do you make sure that when they're ordering stuff that's print on demand, They've got the product right, and it's going to come out looking okay. Well,
1: this is where we get uh, really good support from the technical tools that are available to us. So, when we so if you've had to go on our website and you know that you've um, designed a cushion or an apron or a canvas uh, or a jacket or a t-shirt, you can see all of the the product in front of you, and you can position your art and design accurately on that product. Uh, And you can be confident that's what you're going to get back. So the first challenge is to make that system work. So that's what we've got. And it's really, really good. Um, And that gets us uh, a visual to the customer so they can be confident in in what they're ordering.
0: Right. Yeah. And I saw earlier that Gwen showed me your return rate as well is super, super low. So how do you make sure that you keep that quality tip top? Yeah,
1: it's very low. It's less than it's less than one percent. Yeah. And. We we've learned the hard way, quite frankly. I mean, because you know, you make products, if you go wrong, customer goes crazy and you've got a problem on your on your desk and who wants that? So it's much better to make the product well first time, get it out to the customer and win there their satisfaction uh, and turn into another order so that's that's the mental process for us so everything in in the way we operate including the elements where you design online and you look at the um the interface where you're designing that t-shirt has got to work really really well for the customer accurately positioning everything exactly as they want to see their product so we give a good visual representation of what they're going to buy so that means it's a big tick because now they can see in their mind, what they're going to get, and that's what they're going to get in the post. Um, and we have a lot of other tools in that process, which will test the graphic for quality. It'll test the that the, 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 there's no gaps, white space left on the design. Um, and that's, it's it's all built and calibrated to the type of quality that we'd expect a customer to have. So those there's a lot of tests that happen running in the background to make sure that we don't get that complaint because we do not want to get stopped mm. by making problems with customers we don't we want them happy not unhappy and an unhappy customer takes you five times longer to service than a happy customer
0: yeah i think i heard it it's, it's, if you have an unhappy customer they'll tell 10 people yeah. versus a happy customer they'll only tell what uh, one
1: basically that's the truth and you know you need to bear that in mind running a business yeah.
0: plus you said to me that you export and a lot mm-hmm. of that is to the u.s mm-hmm. I mean that's amazing for like UK exports. Have you got an award for export? If you haven't, you should have. And how have you found it since the UK left the EU in terms of which countries has it been now been more problematic?
1: Well, we we love exporting. You know, we built um uh, we built a, a central web system that can operate in in every country under every language so that was a technical challenge to make sure we can expand because you know we we all know america's a huge market japan's a huge market germany's a huge market so there's all of these these parts of the world where people want the product you just need to get it to them so we had to have a technical um, system to to make that happen um yes we sell a lot to america but i think that's because we are basically we've got that kind of product they like you know bomber jackets and custom-made mm-hmm. stuff, and they, you know, they might well be a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of um, artisan making and creativity, lots of design, and everyone wants to do something a bit different. And custom print-on-demand seems to be, I would say, more driven by America than than anywhere yeah. else in the world. But quite possibly the UK is the second in in, in that type of space. Mm. Um, so we're very pleased to be able to to make those products. Um, so international demand is is there and. Is skewed to America for, I think, obvious and natural reasons. So that's the kind of product range that we've got that suits them. Um, we didn't start with the American market first. We started with Italy, Spain. And once we cracked those two markets, we did uh, Germany and France, so the big EU markets when the EU was a lot easier to sell into. Um, but even then we did the Japanese market because, you know, in those days, the Japanese market was the fourth biggest economy on the planet. It was like, OK, why not try and sell there? Yeah. You know, not many people are doing it and they still aren't because the main reasons is it's a Japanese character set. is really hard to work with online um, to build web tools uh, in Japanese and really difficult. Ah. So we thought if we crack that, then we can pretty much crack any web territory, which was which proved to be true. So we, we now able to um, to to sell into japan we get lots of sales from there
0: i bet you do because i bet they love all these cutesy little prints on things on and having matchy matchy print on absolutely everything
1: yeah yeah so exactly that but but every every culture every every um well all cultures have got uh, a a visual type of identity and a visual style and everyone likes photos or graphics or print so it's kind of never-ending really yeah
0: yeah because we saw some amazing things going down there like pictures of people's dogs on throws for beds and like there's just no end to it it's amazing i'm amazing for gift giving amazing for new designers that are starting out they just want to test the market have you had any investment from anywhere to to do all this chris
1: no no it's all been organic so from the first handbag we sold um back in 2001 2002 we just Put that money back in and kept ploughing it back in and ploughing it back in so no outside investment whatsoever completely organically grown from the house in the beginnings but of course that teaches you how to run a business you know you have to be frugal you have to be sensible um, and you have to make sure that you can afford and work within your means but also scale the business the right way with the right type of um ideas in mind to to satisfy more customers
0: what were you doing before you first set up the business 20 years ago? What's your your original background?
1: Well, original background was um, business, advertising, marketing. I used to work uh. in advertising agencies in the old days when everybody yeah. only used to watch TV. There was no <laughs> social media, no no smartphones. So, you know, our businesses in those days were, you know, pretty much driven by your success of your advertising, your marketing mm. in traditional ways. Obviously, that's all changed now. Um, so that was my kind of original um, training if you like um, but as soon as the kind of the dot-com thing happened which was the sort of late 90s early 2000s it was glaringly obvious that that was a new dawn there's a whole new tech thing happening um, and yeah we wanted to get in on that and yeah luckily we did
0: yeah. and your wife's still working in the business you've yeah. got any kids in the business yet
1: <laughs> well w- wife's in the business we we started together so you yeah. know it's very much a um, side-by-side story bouncing ideas off each other she's very very into you know the fact the fashion the factory the handbags so we're really driving product through with her on that um, and she's kind of general manager in the factory and across the business. So you know I'll look after the tech and she'll look after the leather makers, and we'll be you know making sure that we, we're meeting somewhere in the middle to make sure that the factory and the and the business, tech is all kind of all singing all dancing. So that's been an amazing combination. Yeah, we've got five kids, and you no, know, none of them are in the business at the moment i never forget the day that um, my 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 son, who was eight or nine years old at the time, oldest son, he introduced me to some of his football friends at football uh, practice and said, oh, this is my dad. He makes handbags. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it went
1: down like a lead balloon. And like... Yeah, but did
0: you then also make them a football kit?
1: <laughs> no, we never made them oh. a football kit. We made some flags for the football and some banners for them. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, so for, in terms of kids, it's, it's you know... Obviously, it's not that glamorous what we were doing in those days. I think they're more tuned into the technical side of the industry now and the fact that you can kind of connect it with cryptocurrency and NFT and digital art Mm. and digital tech and the new Web3 and wearable art. This is all a new future. We're kind of just as we were at the beginning of tech revolution in the early 2000s. We're at the beginning of a new AI, a new um, metaverse, a whole new totally different type of tech emerging right now.
0: Yeah, so that was going to be my final question to you. Where do you see this business going with that in mind as well in the next 10 to 20 years? Well,
1: we're going to carry on with real production, real factory, improving our product range, doing lots more products, uh, including many more challenges around garments and all sorts of other new product ideas from, from the factory level. But we want to keep growing. So we want more products. We want more market. We want more international footprint. We want to grow all of that. We want to make a product... That um, um, can be happy as a gift, or can be happy as uh, part of a service to somebody else who wants to make wants us to make their product for them, and they want to build their brand, and they want to grow their business, and they're going to rely on Contrado to to be that supplier. Uh, at no basic investment, but just the opportunity for them to be able to get up and running as a standalone business. So we've got many, many visions of how and who we can touch as people and customers out there. And they all need to be activated. You know, we, we're we a small business that's grown and grown and grown because we cared for all of those different audiences. We have all of those audiences that we connect to right now and we keep servicing them and we're gonna keep growing them.
0: Chris, amazing, honestly I have to say, you're probably now one of my my top favorite uk manufacturers
1: thank you very much kate appreciate that it's very very welcome to have you in the factory and you've got to come again
0: i will do and anyone listening to this can they uh they should get straight onto your website where can they find you
1: well we call contrado simple web search will find us that's contrado.co.uk.com or most other country different web domains
0: amazing thank you very much chris thank you kate